Buckle up for deep, hilarious, and logical discourse about LGBTQ, religious, political, and other heart-gripping subjects that will blow your mind. Your search for countercultural discussion on controversial issues is over. Welcome to Chappie's Musing. Welcome to Chappie's Musings. This is Tim Brown. I have been absent for several weeks. A couple of things. One, we had a couple of people who were not able to get to us for the podcast. And then uh, in the last several weeks, I've been dealing with Immigration Customs and Enforcement Agency because they wrongfully detained my husband, Sergio. And in a four-day period of time, we just bombarded them through social media. And we then also uh, just were all over the national media. We got the attention of quite a few folks and even had Newsweek do a couple of articles and a bunch of other folks across the country. Uh, And basically, ICE caved and met our demands because they had wrongfully uh, detained him. So we'll do a podcast on that pretty soon. But uh, today, uh, we have Steve Davis, and I'm recording this uh, post-hour conversation just to kind of fill in a couple of things. Uh, One, Steve is at Spout Springs Church. I stumbled across him, and I'll say this in a little bit, uh, just in a unique, uh, just a unique guy who talks about issues differently than most people who are pastors in the evangelical world, which he may not claim the evangelical world uh, based on our conversation. I'm not sure too many people would want to, but we'll leave that to him. I'm not going to speak for him. But anyway, Steve's going to be uh, in this podcast uh, today, and one of the things that uh, he mentioned to me in an email after our conversation is that one of the messages he referred to in the conversation was number it's number three in the series that he has, not number two. So just to clarify, if you go and uh, look at Spout Springs Church website, and he'll give that information at the end, you can uh, hear what he has to say. Now, for those of you out there who are atheists, for those of you out there in the LGBTQ community, I want to make a, a plea to you today because I want you to listen to this conversation. Now, you're going to find things you don't agree with. You're going to find things that you don't like, especially if you're an atheist. Uh, Steve talks about Jesus. Steve is a Christian, and, and, and that's just who he is. That's my background, and that's who I I am. Uh, we differ on a few things. We don't really debate a lot of those things on this podcast because what I wanted to do today is I wanted people in the LGBTQ community in particular to hear uh, Steve's heart and what he intends. And 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 he says a couple things at points where he says, I hope I say things right and I don't offend anybody. And I told him, relax, let me take care of that. So I'm speaking to the LGBTQ community today and saying, Give uh, Steve the benefit of the doubt. If you do hear something you disagree with, don't jump on uh, the bandwagon. This guy really has a heart to, to want to know how to reach out to our community. And uh, he's not offended nor hurt by who we are. And, and again, I'll let him speak to that. He wants to know what would be the right thing to do in his Christian perspective to reach out to uh, the LGBTQ world. Now, he will say this, but I want to say this up front so that you will hang in here and listen. Uh, Steve actually baptized a transgender woman uh, at his church, uh, and, and he will explain why, and, uh, and and I want you to listen to that because that is a big statement uh, of action to me. So anyway, Steve's going to join us here in a minute, and I really hope you listen to the end and check out Steve's website, his church's website. Thanks for tuning in. 
Steve, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate it. So, Steve, you real quick, uh, just a, a brief idea. You started this church here locally? Yeah, we started, came down with the idea of starting the church about 12, 13 years ago. Okay. And so right. it's been interesting working with the military and right. it's been quite a challenge, but a lot of joy too. So. That's cool. Uh, I've worked, I was in the military and that's a new thing, but uh, me being out just very recently. But it's a unique dynamic. It's people that you work with. Uh, as you said, at one point, I think that uh, they come and go. And you're, so you're constantly changing oh, over. constantly, yeah. Lose 25, 30% of our church every year. From, yeah. From Uncle Sam. Yeah, and that's the the dandelion, which I call Daffodil Series. <laughs> yeah. The dandelions, that's where you got that idea about the series. Right, yeah, because with our church, we're always raising up. And when people get to maturity, Uncle Sam goes... <laughs> And sends them to Fort Leavenworth or wherever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's a really interesting. Uh, dandelions used to, those are the ones that grow in the yard that they get everywhere. The fuzz goes, and that's, that's kind of an interesting concept. I never would have thought of that, so that's pretty cool. But well, when you're that, pastoring a church, you you that's what you do. You, you look at ways to to communicate your message. That's the and best you have way to, to do and it. You, have to, you can either you can either fight against that, or you can just embrace it and say, "This is how our this is the ministry that we have." Right. So. Right. So Steve is here today because of. Uh, Jordan showed me his messages, and they were some very different uh, messages that I'd heard, like I said, and uh, it connected with me as a gay man who's been a pastor, been a youth minister, been a chaplain, and been in that world, and now kind of looking from the outside in. And so uh, I really appreciate you being here, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think it's going to go pretty well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Steve, um, and we've obviously talked before, you and I, over coffee, and we've covered a lot of subjects, and we'll probably do that again today. But just to get started, uh, you said something uh, once about uh, someone you know whose son uh, came out and the way you responded to him. So first I'd like for you to just tell us a little bit about how you responded to him um, in that moment, in that situation, and what that idea that you have, as you've mentioned before, of being the church looks like uh, to you know when it, to an LGBTQ person or someone uh, who comes out to the church, and what does that look like? I called immediately the son and just said, "Okay, first thing, I love you, and Jesus loves you." Right. And those two things have not changed, and they're not going to change moving yeah. forward from this. Yeah. So, but you're right. Most so many places we've not thought how. One of these I like our conversation is, okay, we've got a culture that's very, very different now, and it's getting more different all the time. How do we be the church? How do we, ref how do we reflect Jesus? And Jesus was the one who was always hanging around the people who were the outcasts. Right. He spent all his time with those people. Right. Touching lepers, hanging out with the, the woman who's you know been married who knows how many times. Yeah. That's who he hung out with. Hookers are washing his feet, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and he's like defending it. Right. And so I'm like, we're not reflecting him very well right, in this matter. So how do we do that? How do we start reflecting him better? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's, uh, like I said, uh, you know, from my experience, it has been a very difficult, uh, it's been challenging, you know. Um, and I think it's been a journey over many years for me, but... It became it culminated over the last few years, mm -hmm. and uh, you find uh, I was talking to a guy when I was in the military uh, who was a chaplain, and and basically he had seen the work I'd done and was bragging about that and talking about all that stuff, and he didn't know me, 
And he said, yeah, I, you know, I run this chapel service over here. And he said, man, I'd love to have you, you know, come be a part of that. I'm going to get in touch with you and we're going to talk about it. And I didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Weeks went by and I know exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Somebody somewhere said, oh, you know, that guy's gay, right? Well, this guy was Southern Baptist. And so there's just no way to figure that out. It's almost like we don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. And so since we don't, we just won't do anything. Right. And I, my, that's my, I'm thinking the, the exact opposite is what we're called to do. Okay. Do I know what, let's, let's say you decided to start attending our church. Right. And you, you, you know, okay, how are we going to, you know, coming in the door, that's no problem. We're, right. we're a welcoming, affirming church right. for anybody that shows up. Right. But you're, you've got years of, of ministry experience. You've right. got value as a leader. Right. right. What, what are we going to do? Right. What would we do with that? How do we build a bridge? I was, I was realizing we're really good at having people come in the front door right. from any background. But then once they're in the door, if they want to do more than just show up at worship service, what's next? Yeah. Where do you, how do you make this person feel, not just feel, but be really part of the church while holding, you know, you want to disagree on some standard issues right? on how God's principles play out, but everybody in my church is messing up on God's principles. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. that second part of, oh, what are you doing? You're my image. What are you doing? But right. all my people, including me, are like that. Right. So how do we, how do we keep those two things in tension? Right. That we actually do love everybody that comes in and we want everybody to be part and we're going to hold on to our principles. And that's right. it's a it's a question we got to start asking instead of just right. sh shunting people or yeah. shunning people. Yeah, and you know, and like I said, we could talk, I mean, we probably don't get in great detail about the whole sin part of it. We can. Uh, and we may disagree on that. But the point is, let's say you let's say you think that homosexuality is living in sin. Let's let's just say that, that we'll give that as a given, right? Uh, I have some disagreement there, but again, we don't have to talk about that. The point is everyone else gets the opportunity to figure those things out. Mm -hmm. Gay people do not. That's what right. you're, it's basically what you're saying. So you can mess up in all kinds of areas. And I've tried to put my finger on the reason that it is the one issue, or it's really LGBTQ now, I guess, but that one particular community, why that one is the one that you, you can have a, uh, what do they call those recovery groups? at your church. You yeah. can have all kinds of stuff and people are going to mess up. You know, people in recovery, if you know anything about it, I yeah. used to work in that is if you're a heroin addict or a pill addict, opiates, you're probably going to fall off the wagon at some point. But you, so that's fine. If you're an alcoholic, if you're this now, the other thing is if you're a gossip, if you lie, nobody ever calls you at all. Yeah, if you're, you're materialistic and greedy and you know, they, you yeah. can drive your Mercedes to church. Yeah. I, if I mean, you have Mercedes, that's okay. Yeah. We had a, <laughs> What, 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 there's a few things that have really shaped me over the past few years in, in, in this issue. One of them, there's a passage, and I won't try not to preach too much, but right, you know, right. in Corinthians where there's a list of things, and it says, you, you here in the church used to be all these things. And that's, that's right. where one of the strongest teachings on homosexuality or homosexual activity is right. found in the Bible. But it's in the midst of this list. Mm -hmm. And the way Paul puts it, it's obvious these people aren't cured of all these things. Cured, I, I, I got you know, Don't you take know, that one wrong, please. I got you. No, no. That's, and, again, we give you some leeway yeah, here. Yeah, you know, the people, there are still, because there's like greedy people in there, and there's, right. it says sexual immorality, which is going to include pornography. It's going to include, you know, that's a broad term. Right. And it's, okay, these people aren't done with this. Right. Which means there were people in that church 
right. who that was still part of their lives. And like you said, they were maybe they would be called in recovery. I don't, I don't, right. I don't know very many details. It's just a little piece. Yeah. But they're still in the church. They're still part of the church. And when they right. slipped up, they were brought back to the church. And so, okay, even if even if I want to say that the 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 activity in a sense violates God's principles, right? That doesn't make you any different than any other person in my church, and it shouldn't make right. a difference in how I treat you, right? And that's yeah. That's well, one of the things I say because I grew up in church, and if you're uh, if you're in a church, say the Southern Baptist Church my dad was in, uh, we, we had some people who were just not nice people. Mm-hmm. I won't name them. But we had some people that just weren't nice people. They were just, they were almost You'll evil. You'll blog it later. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll put it on Facebook or tweet it. But uh, it's like somebody else I know. But uh, but anyway, you could live in that church and die in it. And some of them did. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people just die of mean, you know. <laughs> and at the end of the day, they'll bring you in there and somebody will say some good things over you. You know, it's strange. I saw a clip the other day on Facebook. It was a meme about someone who died, and it was a mother who left her children and moved to California or something like that. And uh, her children are now older, and her, she died. And the obituary or the statement in the paper was like, "We won't have nothing to do with her." But, I mean, just went on. You I, see I read that? that obituary. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm thinking, wow, that's so. Ex- with that exception, usually yeah. people will you'll find somebody to say something good. And so someone will stand over, your, your pastor of that church will stand over a cassock of a gossip, of a materialistic person, of you name it. Right. Say wonderful things. And a pastor will, uh, he might even be a well, Southern Baptist guy who's been eating fried chicken every Sunday and is really big and overweight. He will stumble up on stage and speak over someone who has to be buried in a baby grand case because they can't fit in a coffin and say amazing things mm-hmm. about those people. And a gay person you get a church funeral, buddy, you pulled some strings or paid some money because you, I sort of figure at this point, the only, if I died today, my funeral wouldn't be held in a church. My funeral would be held at maybe St. John's church in, uh, in Raleigh where I've gone some, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you see the point. Yeah. Yeah. And and, yeah, there's that total failure. In both principles, there's the upholding God's principles with love. Right. And it's failing, so much of the church is failing in both. Right. We're, we're picking and choosing which principles to uphold, and we're not doing any of it in love. Right. And it's like, okay, you, you really can't do Christianity without love. You can't do, you can't do it right. Right. And, and, you know, every time you read the Gospels, every time you read the Old Testament prophets, they're just, they're just gushing about, okay, like if you have power— if right. God allows you to have power, the reason God allows you to have power, which I mean, in any kind of power, is for you to help people who don't have it. Right. If God gives you money, He gives He, he channels that money through you because there are people who need it. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, you do not sound like a typical pastor. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking because this is an aside, and we won't talk about this a lot. But with Sergio, who's my husband, who's uh, undocumented, he was under DACA, and brief story, not much, but. He was wrongfully picked up, and you've probably seen some of the coverage. Mm-hmm. And I had to fight like a uh, ring-tailed tutor, as my grandmother used to say, which doesn't mean anything yes, to me. But nobody knows what that means. But it basically, we fought, and I said at that point, one of the reasons that I was able to accomplish this was because I'm white, uh, and I'm a male, mm-hmm. and I have a voice, a loud voice. Right. I have resources, and I have connections. And then I said, and I will use those resources in my voice 
for all these other people who don't have that. And that's that's that principle that you're talking about. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying I just happened to stumble across that. Yeah, somebody pointed out to me that in in Jesus in the Last Supper, he's um there's a verse in the in John, I'm sorry if I'm preaching again. That's right. That um at that there's a moment where Jesus becomes fully aware of who he is. We don't we don't know, you know, cuz he he was veiled. He didn't understand his full nature throughout okay. we believe that. But there was at, at, in the in the upper room, he is fully aware that he's the son of God, that he's going to be taking the sins of humanity on himself. He's aware of everything. And his immediate next step was he took off his outer garment, wrapped a robe around himself, and washed his disciples' feet. Right. Yep, I know what you're talking about. So, you know, the question for all you know, for everybody is, okay, when you realize you have power, what are you going to do with it? Right. When you always have an opportunity, what are you going to take? Are you, are you going to serve others? Are you going to do, use yeah. that power to advance your own self? Yeah. And that's... Hmm. It's interesting because, you know, growing up, I used to think, and these are my opinions, but I used to think that Democrats were the devil because I was in a conservative world. I grew up in a school that there were no other people than white people mm-hmm. from all of my grades up to I graduated. I went, to, I went to, well, mine was just because of where I live, but I, I, right. I went to school with one African-American girl for about three weeks. She just showed up in second grade. She said, this is not for me. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm second grade. I don't know nothing yeah, except she's right. sitting over there and now she's not. And yeah. it was like... And so, yeah, I can relate to that growing up in a really... Right. And so I used to think that Democrats were always wrong about everything, and and these liberals, what are you going to do with them? Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle now. Both sides would say I'm on the other side. But uh, what I realized is that th- one of the things that Democrats at least talk about, I'm not sure they do it effectively, but they do talk about you know helping other people with what you have. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say that they use people for voting blocks just like Republicans do too. But the, the point is, and I don't want to get political because you're a pastor, but the reality is when you enter, when you enter, interact with people unlike yourself, you compassion begins to well up. When you see people who hurt and who need, what we tend to do is, is Snapchat and Instagram about things, and we have this surface that protects us from getting involved with people. We rant on Facebook about gays, about this, about that. Very few people, even in my own neighborhood, have, well, no one has ever come to my door and said, I saw you on the news. Everybody saw me on the news, right? <laughs> but nobody, except for a couple of folks that I know in the community, and one of the lady messaged me on Facebook, came and said, hey, how are you? Yeah. Are you okay? Nobody, military chaplain, whatever, mm. called me to check on me in a four-day period of my life when everything was upside down. My spouse had been detained wrongfully, and here I was. And all of that because I think I'm gay. You know, or I don't think I'm gay. All of it is because I think it's because I was gay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. In other words, people, I, I really believe that. And I hate to be such a, uh, I'm a very optimistic person. And I give people chances so many times. So, but it's just the way it feels, Steve. There's, it's our national pastime, our national sports now dodgeball. Yeah. Because every time, every issue, we just immediately choose sides and start throwing stuff at each other. Right. There's never a, well, you know, there's never a conversation like, like this one, like, like you and right. I have been having. There's never, it's just, I'm on this side, you're on that side, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know I'm pro-Trump, I'm anti-Trump. And, you yep. know, it's, and then we throw things at each other. Yeah. And we, we talked over lunch a little bit about, you know, yeah. th- there are, you know, everybody hates you for it. There are, you know, I didn't vote for Trump. Right. I'm not a fan. Right. At all. Right. But I do recognize there are things, he has done a few things well. This career right. thing is amazing to me. Right. But, you know, if for, for some people to, to acknowledge that this person on the other side of the dodgeball yes. game did something right. 
Right. We can't give you any credit for doing anything right. 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 Yeah. And yeah. And, and my take on that, I can talk about it now, is that I'm very disappointed. And just the rhetoric and the, the attitude and the constant tweeting of it's, it's almost like a bullying type yeah, mentality. Uh, and, and my friends hate it when I say that kind of stuff. And I, I too said something about Trump and about the Korea thing. And oh my gosh. I mean, it's almost like I had just sold all my allegiance to him at that point. Um, and that back then, when I did that, I couldn't say anything negative because he was my commander in chief. Right. But but now, I just I, I just choose to see people for who they are, where they are, and in the context of their lives. Uh, and I've been all of my life tried to do that. And I grew up with parents that showed me how to do that. You you just you need to interact with people first. But what what I've learned is that. Before I came out, all of those people, the majority of those people, they knew me. They knew the kind of person I was. And so a lot of them have said, this is just doesn't fit for us, but we know Tim and we love him. So they had a personal relationship with me before. Now I have to get to know people before they understand that I'm not just some gay devil. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then, But getting that audience is not easy. Yeah, it's... And I've, one of the things I've noticed is how emotional, and to speak specifically of the LGBTQ yeah. conversation. You're doing pretty good. That's good. Yeah, I, 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 I I've been working up. on that for a couple I'm, days yeah, now. Yeah, I mess it up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you pausing on the queue a few times. When we're yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh gosh, now what was I talking about? The uh, Oh, I was saying that uh, getting to know people and, and, and having the opportunity to get to know them, I don't get that a lot. Yeah, it's 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 it, you you have to take that extra step of saying I view this person as a person, and there's this um, for some reason somebody somebody comes out and the church says, you know, two weeks ago God had a wonderful plan for your life, right? He no longer does. Yeah, or his or his plan is for you to become heterosexual, right? Because it's so much better for you to lust after your after women than it is over men, right? And it's like. Oh, I thought that list started with sexual immorality, which would which would be me or anybody else looking at pornography, whichever right. version that right. I want to choose. Right, right. Now anime is there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and, and and you know we that that listening, that saying, okay, and recognizing that, um, in my opinion, you know, God's got a plan for everybody. God loves everybody. You know, Jesus. Jesus is crazy about everybody. Max Lucado says, you know, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Right, and that doesn't change. It doesn't. There's nothing you can do that makes that takes you off his list like that. Right. I'm 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 always interested in the things that I was always taught. But and the, the bad thing about people who, and of course I'm not with you because you're easy to talk with. But the bad thing about people who want to argue with me, I don't like to do it, and I usually don't. Mm-hmm. But I know a little bit, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of I'm educated in it. I, I've done it for years, um, and so. I always go back to whatever happened to the thing that the theology that says that God is providential, that God is sovereign, and that God created you. And then Job says uh, you can't thwart the purposes of God. All of a sudden now I'm thwarting all of God's purposes. All of a sudden there is no more providence. All of a sudden there's no more sovereignty. I now am in control. So mm-hmm. people's theology literally shifts around this subject to accommodate opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I think that might have... Uh... That might impact it some from from the outside perspective, right? Is the the and I be, could be wrong, is the strong tendency to identify that as the most important thing about a person, right? 
that yeah. you know what you know what's the most important thing about you. Well, the most important thing about Tim, right, is you know there are seven or eight things, right, and somewhere around ten. I don't. I'm making up the numbers, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Tim's married to Sergio? That right. that's like number nine or ten. It's not right. the most important thing, and because it's been such a battle, I'm sure is a big part of it. Right. It becomes number one. What's the what's the most important thing about Tim? Well, Tim's gay. Right. And you know, and right. I'm LGBTQ. I know, and that becomes right. number one. And I think we harm ourselves when the first thing we do is put ourselves in a community and say that I'm one of I'm in this group as right. opposed to I'm I'm Steve. I'm an individual. I'm you know, you know, when Tim first met me he, he was gonna clump me into the, the, the right. pastor box. Right. And he found out that Steve doesn't live in that box right. at all. Right. And and so we, we harm ourselves when we project ourselves as this is the most important thing about me. And I, right. I, I th- in my opinion, I think no, it, yeah, I think you're right. It's and and that one thing is is a glowing issue. And I, it, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it sometimes. Uh, but I've been on the other side, at mm-hmm. least in my thinking and trying, you know, just growing up as I fought all of this and, and just struggled with it. And, and it's funny because people will say to me, uh, you know, you chose this. If I had an option, I would not choose it mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But the other thing is they act like I just woke up one day and was like, I, man, I think I'm going to be gay. Like, you know, like <laughs> right, I didn't right, go right. through 40 years of turmoil and depression and near suicidal ideation. Uh, and, and it's interesting to me uh, that in a loving community of believers, supposedly, and, and some are, but not always, mm-hmm. um, that people would rather, people like me, just ditch this whole shenanigans and maybe be alone and and, and death would just be my next, you know what I mean? Like, right, would you rather right. me be dead or alive and you disagree with me? Yeah. You know? and, and we've not done anything as far as um, discussing a path. Right, because the only path that most Christians have is, okay, we need to we need to help we need to, we need to fix you and make you right. heterosexual, and that's I don't see that ever being well I don't see that being God's strategy most of the time right <laughs> so I don't see right. why it would be here right um, just replace it with something I don't, you know I don't and we but we've not said okay well, what is the path like it's like you know mm-hmm. what what happens if Tim or somebody like Tim and right. brings 20 people and they show up at our church, right. what do, how, how do we do this? Yeah. And what's the path yeah. forward? Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, another thing that there was a big earth shaking thought process for me was that, uh, that God is the one who changes people, not right. me. And God gets to pick the order. Right. Cause everybody I know who's, who's, who's in my community, my faith community would, t- our natural thing is, well, if Tim comes, God's first step is going to be yeah. to address that. Well, God might be more upset about, I'm not speaking for you, that, that yeah, Tim, yeah. I'll just pick one that we've already used, that Tim's really materialistic. I don't know if you are right. or not, yeah, but that probably, might yeah. that might be the one. That, God might say that's a bigger problem. Right. You know, and God says, I'm going to fix that one, or that's my order. And right. he may never get around, you know, and, and, and I'm, I, I hate no, to no, say no. the word fixing again. I apologize. No, sorry. That, you know... Uh, Assuming that I, my interpretation, that you know, he may never get around to that. May never, because, I mean, I've got, I've got a heterosexuality problem. Right. I, I, f- I find women right. insanely attractive, and right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, which means it's always a temptation to click the th- to link. You know, that yeah. doesn't go away because I'm a pastor. Right. And I really don't believe that's going to change in my lifetime. Right. I I think I will die. Right. And, 
on my deathbed, I'll be laying there, and an attractive nurse is going to come in, and I'm going to check her. I'm going to check her out, (laughs) right? And not in a not in a pure pastor way. I, I, right. I think this is going to be part of me forever. Right. I mean, not forever, but for, for, for this lifetime. And right. so why do I think that even if I'm right about it not being part of God's perfect, ultimate best for you, why do I think he's going to change it in this lifetime? He's not, right. he's not doing me. Right. Yeah, and what often happens is when, you, when we judge people, based on our own perspectives and our own beliefs and we pick out for them what we want them to be and how they should act and respond, we, we often overlook what they actually have to offer. Um, I, I'm not, again, about me. One of, one of the things that I find because of the way I grew up is I'm a, I'm a loving and compassionate person, um, a fairly benevolent guy, and I love people. Mm-hmm. And as you've walked in the door today, right. people are in and out of this house all the time. It's, right. it's almost like people probably think we sell drugs in here. We don't. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's constant. And people come in, and they go in our refrigerator and eat, and people stay here all the time. And that's just the way I grew up. Uh, but some of those things are overshadowed, yeah. you know, uh, because of what you're saying. And the other thing I'll say about what you were saying is that we tend to look in a very temporal perspective. We think in temporal terms. So in this 60, 70, 80, or 90 years of span of life that we have, uh, what we do is we see everything that we are involved in in this moment as the most important thing most in the world. Important, right. And it's a very little bitty blip mm-hmm. on the screen. And so what we do is we, we obsess about things that aren't eternal or long-lasting. Right. And that's where we focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a pastor I saw did an illustration where he had a he had a rope in his hand, and the the two inches of it on the end were painted red, and the rope kind of went out as a huge rope, and it real thick, and it also it snaked all the way off the platform, all right. the way out of sight, and he goes, okay, you got need to understand this, when it comes to eternity, this red dot on the end, that's this life, right, that's this that's this period, that's your seventy, eighty, ninety years right here, right, the, the other stuff's Right, so much more important, so much bigger, and you need to be thinking in those terms. Right, and uh, and uh, and I, even if we start thinking like twenty years, like I, I think I told, right. I'm sure I told you this. I mean, okay, twenty twenty five years from now, you know, I'll probably be retired, but somebody right. will come to our church, and there'll be two men pull up, and mm-hmm. they'll get out with a teenager, right, and they'll come in, and and the conversation. Oh, well, we've been married twenty years, mm-hmm. we've raised three kids. This is our this is our youngest. She's graduating from high school this year. Yeah. Okay, what do you do with that? Right. You know the, the old the old thing about we just shunning doesn't seem like the right approach <laughs> right. <laughs> ever. Right. And this is a twenty five year marriage. This is not right. Th- yeah. See how that that changes the picture. And it's like okay, we need to be asking that question. We need to be right. discussing that and thinking how do we how do we be the church? Well, and it's interesting that you you are actually thinking about it because most people in your position don't. Uh, and again, I'm very careful. I don't ever want to sound like I'm bashing evangelicals. I do, probably. <laughs> but it, it, sometimes I get frustrated. Oh. But um, I don't want... That's not what I want. I'm not an activist. I call myself an advocate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, I'm just trying to find a place. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's really it. I mean, you when you break it down to the personal pieces of it, it's, it's trying to fit in with people that, that you've loved all your life and cared about uh, as a church. But you know, I think about it in terms of this, uh, when the Republicans and the conservatives and the evangelicals back many years ago fought so hard against gay marriage, 
and then of course DOMA was repealed. Uh, over that period of 20, 30 years that that, that real fight was going mm-hmm. on, there was always this, it's the, you know ruining the sanctity of marriage. Of course, I always say that heterosexuals ruined that a <laughs> long time ago, but that's another subject. Uh, but there's this constant fight. And then there was this, this voice out there that said, well, what about civil unions? And that was like, no, we don't want them to have anything. So it was almost like we don't want people to live. You know, it's just, it kind of got painted that way. And I always said that if you had just given the gays civil unions, they would have been like, oh, my God, thanks. This is great. <laughs> now we can get insurance. We can do this. Mm-hmm. and We can live together and have you know, go to the hospital and visit one another. And, and all these rights come along with it. But the, the, that very far-fetched side of things said, no, we don't want you to have anything. So what happened? They, they won the battle, but they lost the war. You know, and so that's the mentality that seems to. So, and the last thing I'll say because I'm talking a lot is when when you say I'm here from the church and I'm here to help you, gays say, <laughs> "Hell no, and we I, don't want your help." And it, it, you, you, one of the things we say when I talk about was the concept of the word evangelical, right? Whatever that means now. Yeah, whatever it means now. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of conversation whether or not the, the term itself is done. Yeah, probably because, because yeah. it's so associated with hatefulness and politics and everything else. And I'm going, you know, so much of it. Okay. Again, I look at Jesus and then I look at church people and go, I don't see a lot of, I, I see, you know, if you know the church, if you know the, the Bible stuff, the Pharisees, the one, the, the, right. the ultra religious people. Right. And I say, most of the people I see who are, this will, this could get me in trouble. Hopefully nobody's listening from, from my, <laughs> from my world. And, uh, and I'd said it before. Um, I, you know, the church, most church people, t- t- I think we all move toward Pharisee. That's our natural tendency. Right. That's our natural bent. Right. And I look at churches, and I see so many churches and so many Christians who are Pharisees. And right. th- they don't care about what, you know, they don't care about the woman, who, the one who's watching Jesus' watching Jesus's feet. Right. They don't care about what she's been through. They don't care about her path. They just care about the fact this woman's a hooker and she's touching you. Right. And right. Jesus looks at the person and looks at the path. Right. And says, look at how far this person's come and look at the movement they're making in the right direction. Right. And he, he praises her and loves her. And the Pharisees are standing still going. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm supposed to, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, you, you've, right. you probably got more education even than I do in, in spiritual things. I think in the Bible, when we see the Jesus and the Pharisees, we're supposed to try to be like Jesus, not, not the Pharisees. Pharisees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've we've done the opposite. We've done the opposite so much, and right. So it's well, and and I don't, we don't have to get into this a lot either. But this is the whole cake thing. I don't fundamentally disagree with what the Supreme Court said. I told you that. Uh, I think on a larger scale and in more specific ways, there's some issues I would have if it was extrapolated. You know, but this was a very unique situation. Personally, I think. Personally, Tim Brown thinks he should have just made the damn cake, but but that's another subject. Yeah, that's... but but when you start looking at how church people get excited about this, and then I look at what Jesus did, and I've said this before. So Jesus goes to a wedding reception, and of course, if he's Jesus and he's omniscient and you know whatever, he knows everybody there, right? Uh, and then the guy says to him, uh, "Who brings this good wine out?" or last yeah because normally we had, you know we get them drunk then we can bring the crap out mm-hmm. you know, the swill and so and then it says and after we've drunk our fill so i'm like well jesus brought some wine to the party for people who had been drinking a lot <laughs> already drunk possibly you know yeah. that's hard that's hard to grapple with the other thing is 
that when it came to the feeding of the multitudes, mm-hmm. you know, 5,000 or so if their women and children weren't counted back then. So, you know, numbers could be more, right? Right. And I've stood in that spot a few times over there, and it's kind of a neat spot. But anyway, my parents are there right now. But if he's doing that, in a crowd of 10,000 people, you got a few sinners, you know? <laughs> and you probably got a few queers out there, uh-huh. you know? You probably got a lot of things going on. And Jesus didn't give a morality check and say, okay, morality test here. Any queers? Well, oh, right there, guys. Yeah, he didn't get any bread. He didn't get any fish. You, you see what I'm saying? Right, right. I, maybe that, I'm off base here. No, I, don't, no, I think because um, Jesus' default answer was love and accept. Right. Every time. That was the default. Right. And, you know, if even if, you know, one of the things that I picture always is, is you know, when we talked about, you know, when he's washing his disciples' feet. Right. And he's, he knows everything. We just found that out. Right. He knows what Judas is about to do. Right. And he walks up to Judas and he washes his feet. Right. That's a good point. And so even, you know, I've, I, I, I mean, you, we maybe could think of, some, of an example where Jesus rejected a sincere person. Right. I mean, he would, he'd get really ticked off at religious people who were... Those are the pretty much the only ones he ever, He was always mad right. at them and they were yeah. always mad at him. Right. But anybody who came to him with any form of sincerity, he didn't say as soon as you get... Well, I, I told you the story that... um. Our church about three years ago, mm-hmm. we had a. Um, and I know I'm going to offend everybody in the way I tell this story. That's so right. just, just you want to offend me? Translate it into something. <laughs> okay, yeah. Translate it. Translate, translate it into yeah. political into, into into correct speech. Okay, um, we had a a, a transgender person. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they'd had a surgery. We you know yeah. We took their word for it. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's a good deal. Good deal. Yeah. Um, who was born a man and was mm-hmm. was living a, as a woman and came to our church and the part of the challenge. It, with this was, you know, you've seen the people who are transgendered who you check the Adam's apple. You, 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 right, you, right. You double, you're, right. You're, you're, you double check to see. You never double checked with this person. This person right. was, looked like a 45-year-old man right. wearing a dress. Right. And if it was late enough in the day, there was a 5 o'clock shadow. Right. And so, so th- this was yeah, this gotcha. is obvious. You know what's going right. on here. Right. And that person came and, and, and um, Accepted Christ as you know, clearly right, wanted, sure. wanted to follow Christ. And our policy is, when somebody does that, we baptize them. That's the initiation into right. the family. Is right. you baptize them. So we baptized them. Yeah, immediately. Right. And I feel like, oh, well, shouldn't shouldn't you have them fix that? Shouldn't they right. address that? Shouldn't they have at least dressed differently? Right. You know, right. a little pink camisole. Should, yeah, should, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, shouldn't there have been some discussions? And we're like. I didn't ask the guy who was baptized that night if, if he quit looking at pornography. I didn't right. ask anybody else anything else. Yeah. And <laughs> so yeah. so we, we're not going to change that right. because, oh, well, that's one of those issues. Right. I, I don't see Jesus doing that, so I don't have the right to do that either. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, honestly, I don't want to. I, I just sure. It just seems if I'm going to be like Christ, I don't even have to think about that. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Often we think too much, mm-hmm. which— Normally wouldn't say that, you know, but we think too much about things that aren't really that important. The thinking should be reserved for how to help someone along in life in that situation, not how do we process this person, you know, and, and how do we, well, hang on, let's stutter here. We, we often think about the things that aren't really important. Yeah, and the the woman who's going to be speaking for me Sunday, I, I read her sermon this morning right before, right. before I over here, and she's talking about fear and everything, you know, and the concept and how right. easy it is. Like some people are like, Steve, you're going on that podcast. What are you doing? Aren't, right. you, aren't you afraid? I said, I'm nervous because I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be an accurate representation of Jesus right. in this situation. Right. But I'm not afraid of people. 
There right. are plenty of people dislike me. Right. And, you know, they have, you know, there's a club. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the website. There is not an I Hate Steve Davis website. Well, I really we start one. I always, you know, I'm like, I'm not, a, I'm not a complete success until that happens. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm not going to let that fear. I'm, I'm Obviously, I think about things and I process things. And I, right. But I'm not going to let it be the driver. Right. And that's a, I think that's a part of it too, is we let fear drive us. And stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've always said, you know, my dad is a pastor, was a pastor. He's retired, but he's still, you know, uh, is an interim, I guess you'd say. Not interim. Uh, he's a pastor of a church, but it's a small church and it's part-time. Okay, yeah. And uh, I've always been confused about how you go from interim to full-time, like what well, the terminology is all, you know, I just, yeah, I, I've forgotten now. But but anyway, he basically, um, he's pastoring still and, and all of that. And, and he and I both probably have people that don't like us a lot, me probably more so than him now. But then there's the people like my mother, and I've, I've never understood her way of doing this. It's not because she avoids things or avoids things that are controversial or whatever. She's just, I don't know anybody that doesn't like her. And I thought to myself, man, I'd love to have that life, you know, <laughs> right. but that's just not happening. Not this, uh-huh. not this go around. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. No. I wish there was reincarnation because, man, I need another shot. At it. <laughs> could I do, I could, I'm sure I could do better. Yeah. I'd have to come back as a dog, but um, a good dog that's in a nice home, yeah, very wealthy no, family, no. like Bill Gates or something yeah. like that. You know, not uh, yeah. not Michael Vick or you know, yeah, yeah not <laughs> with the air conditioned doghouse. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah, that would be good. Yeah. So, um, well, that's interesting because I mean, I answered one of the questions I was going to ask you, which how do you see the church in its relationship to the world? I think I mean you kind of answered that, but do you have anything specific about how the church relates to the world? Your church relates to the world. Um, Oh, it's just we always have to live in that tension of, yeah. of, of God's, God's standards. Because, I mean, the early church, in a lot of ways, lived at odds with the standards of the, of the culture. There were a lot of issues where they were, you know, right. they, were, they were opposite. And they, they stood for that. And, but they stood so lovingly that they still grew like crazy. Because people mm-hmm. were attracted to the love and the standards. People are, there was a... There's, there was a video that started this, this sermon that you watched, and it was a church that had, um, not just in this area where we are, but had just, if the way this guy's talking, he's pretty much just abandoned the Bible as a standard okay. for living. He's local or? No, he's out in Washington State. Or oh, Oregon. okay, gotcha, yeah. And, and they, they, at the end of the video, you find out that the church is just going kersplat. Right. Ever since then, you know, and the person they're talking about specifically had been laid off because they lost so many people they didn't have any money anymore right. to pay them. Right. Because you have to stand for, we have to be, we, um, like I, I say that if, well, a lot of things, but one of the things I say is it's, it's like there were, if you took a, for, as far as politics goes, right. if you took a list of God's standards and put them in a deck of cards, right. it was like they dealt them and the Republicans got one and the Democrats got one right. and then you, the other one had to go the opposite, whatever it was. Right. You know, yeah. re, re, Republicans have to hate abortion and hate homosexuals. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the other side flips and it's like, no, we have to stand in the middle right. and proclaim what we believe is true in a way that's so loving right. that we're saying it not because God's looking to zap you, right. but because God wants what's best for you and what's best with you always aligns with his nature. Right. And so that's where we are. We're in this middle, keeping the principles and holding the love and not trading one for the other, which is always the tendency. I probably talk about it incessantly and probably to the point that people who listen to this you know, quit listening when I say it, but I grew up in a family where I don't, I just don't know where my parents came from. Mm-hmm. Like my dad was poor, uh, of 
had other six siblings. Let's see, I think that's right. I can count them. But anyway, there was a lot of them. Uh, one died at an early age. So there was seven, I think, total at one point. But he was poor, lived in a very small – he actually lived out in the middle of nowhere. My mother was uh, probably middle class to upper middle class, at least at one point. Uh, they met at the, in fifth grade. And then from there, their story is the most unique and interesting. And I think we talked about this a little bit. Uh, just a love story mm-hmm. you know they're right now in cruising the mediterranean and will be in israel for their 30th time you know, <laughs> they, i mean they go all the time uh-huh. and my sister and a niece are there i'd like to be there with them but i couldn't so here these people are and they've just changed the world that they live in but they i remember junior hill you may not know junior hill he's an evangelist okay, I've heard of him. friend of ours yeah. he um was a friend of mine. I don't know. Junior, if you're out there listening, you don't have to claim that. But basically, he said to my dad one time when the church was going through some tough times years ago, and I was a kid and I was sitting there. He said two things. One, because Junior's a really, really big man. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and I was skinny. He said, well, you know, Donnell, he said, if uh, if Tim gets cancer, you know, so if we get cancer, somebody like us, he said, we're going to last a while. we got enough fat. But he said, Tim be gone in three days. I remember him <laughs> saying that for sure one time because I was so skinny. But the second thing he said was, he said, Donnell, it's your family. Look at your family. That's what you've done well. It doesn't matter about anything else. Mm-hmm. And I would not say that I am a product of greatness, mm-hmm. but I will say that my parents loved me well. That's the end of the story I was trying to get to. And I grew up in that. Mm-hmm. I watched. So when you say to me that God loves you, I don't have to work through all of these navigated points Uh to say how, why, because of that, and because I felt this from my family, from my father. I can automatically look at my my dad and say, man, I know exactly how you can be loved well. My parents did it. Mm -hmm. And so when I relate to the world, when it comes to that whole idea of how does the church relate to the world, I just look at my family and say, that's the way I'm supposed to love people. That is a fundamentally life-changing experience for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what other people want. Right. They want to, when they come to your church, and they probably do get this, but when, when people like me come, I'm afraid, not of you, and not of your church necessarily, but of churches, I'm afraid to go. Yeah. Because what I won't get is what I know God is and what I've seen my dad do because of that kind of love. Did that make sense? Right, yeah, right, exactly. There's a... Well, we, there's a tra- there's a track record. I mean, people are scared the first time they come to church anyway. anyway right. It's it's awkward. It's weird. There's not, you know, how many other places in in life do you go sit in rows and stand up and sing? Right. <laughs> right. It's not, not exactly. a standard thing that it's we true. do. Yeah. And so you're awkward, and and we work very hard to make people feel feel comfortable. And right. But you know, especially like in your case, where you say, okay, I know what love feels like, and this ain't right. it. Right. Yeah. From so many places, and you have to be. So, it's like I have to work really hard. Um, anytime I'm talking to somebody about Christianity, because of all the stuff with the politics and the evangelical, that word and all that stuff. Right. My first, my first thing talking to anybody is to break down their preconceptions about me. Right. Oh, you're, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. You're a pastor. You're right. this. I go to my gym, and the the first thing that happens is I don't tell, of course, I don't tell anybody the new people I show up or whatever. I right. don't tell them what I do because that's, that's right. not, not, not that important you know, about who I am. Right. And then 
so they're normal. And then they find out what I am, and suddenly they quit cussing around me. And suddenly, you That's know, all the words, yeah. Yeah, all yeah. the words disappear. But my favorite thing is when I've been going with them, working out with them long enough mm-hmm. that they start cussing again. Yeah, because <laughs> they've accepted me. I'm not. Right. I'm not Pastor Steve. I'm Steve, the guy who works out here. Right. And so yeah, that's what I'm always looking for. Is I want you to get past because I got to do that. Right. Before I can show you Christ, I have to show you Christ in me in a way that's different mm-hmm. than your pre- preconceptions and the way you were treated and right. all the stories you've heard and experienced. I've got to get past all that right. to get them to. Because I've seen, I've met lots and lots of people who rejected the church, and I've met lots and lots of people who rejected um, Christians. Right. I've hardly met anybody who rejected Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's to the, so okay. Let right. me get, let me get you there. Let me let me see if I can get you to that spot. And right. if you grew up in a house like you did, right. that's an easy place to get to. Yeah. And if you grew up in an abusive home, right. That's when I say our Father who art in heaven, your image is not. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, you know, you, so there's a yeah. There's I had some. I have a lot of people reach out to me through social media and stuff, especially since the thing with Sergio happened and, and it's been more public. But one guy said to me the other day, he said, "Yeah, I grew up singing in the church. He said, I'd love to sing in a church, but I can't anymore." And uh, of course, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. He's gay. Yeah. And uh, I said, "Yeah, well, I said, you know, I mean, I, I was telling him at that point, I go to St. John's up there, and there's some gay folks that sing all the time uh, there." Uh, it's just, it's rare. It's it, here. Here's the thing: St. John's up in Raleigh is uh, it's an MCC church, which is a metropolitan community church. When I was growing up, we used to call, we used to call that the gay church. And uh, I preached there a couple of times, and you know, I look out across the crowd, and and there are people there who are former addicts, uh, and and what you see is a lot of people in that community, who or in that church, who have been putting their lives back together. And a lot of it is because of the rejection that they get from other churches and they find a place and it's almost like, wow, Mm -hmm. we finally can relax. I remember the first time I preached there, uh, I stood up and I was sitting in the the, the seats. They don't have pews. They got chairs, which you you might too. And I was just sitting over there and they were, you know, doing worship songs that you'd hear at most any other church. And I thought to myself, it's been, probably 15 years or more since I felt connected to God through a community mm. like this. Mm. 15 years. Wow. And and here's a guy that grew up, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, when I go to other places, I'm always on my toes because I'm not a fearful person, but I know what I now represent. And now I represent it in a very public way. Yeah. And it's like, where do I go? What do I do? And so, again, it's just that idea of I was always at home. Now my home is gone. Mm, yeah. And I'm a wandering vagabond. Yeah. Wow. In a sense. Yeah. And that's. I got ejected. Yeah. What's the word? Uh, when you renters, you kick them out, you evicted. I was evicted yeah. from my home. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's incredibly sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Like I said, Jesus didn't evict people. Right. They evicted themselves and they chose their agenda, but the, the, he didn't say, okay, well, you did that. Right, and then one of the things I talk about from time is the concept of a heart and a direction. When we, we right. talk to people, because our people are all screwed up, right? Right. Obviously, if I'm the pastor, all our people are screwed right. up. <laughs> and and the thing we look at is is not where are you, but what's your heart and what's your direction. And right. And if if we approach, if you know, if somebody comes up to you, you and says, Tim, you're starting, to, you're gossiping. Right. And right. your and your response is, well, that's okay. I'm allowed to. And that, and your heart is hostile. Right. right. That's a very bad thing. But if right. your heart is yeah, you know, I, I, need, I need to work on that. Right. 
And then what's the direction? Are, can I see in time that you are actually moving in a direction that's positive? Right. Or, you know, and so I, my thing is always, okay, what's their heart and what's their direction? Yeah. Not where are they? Right. We're all on a path. We all got a long way to go. Yeah. Is my heart right? And mm-hmm. I'm moving in a, po- in, a, in a direction that is positive. And mm-hmm. that's... I always find that people who know how to love people that are unlovable or that they don't understand are probably the most the most love the most godly people that I know for instance you know over the last couple of years it's just been a very tough couple of years mm-hmm. and I'm doing really well I mean we're we're doing well but it's been tough and then it was punctuated toward the end with this massive event that took place with Sergio uh, and ice and all of a sudden I realized I mean for two well prior to that, I've spent most of my life just pouring myself out as best I knew how, chasing after people who had issues or had problems and, and were not loved by almost anybody. And that's all I've known, right? Only to find myself in a place where that doesn't occur. Mm. You, you know what I mean? So exactly. you spend your life pouring all out right. and you get to a place where now... Now your tank's empty. Right. And you're exposed as this one bastion that the church has of of punishment and condemnation. And uh, and I don't, I don't want to sound like a victim because I'm not. I, my point is, it was an interesting experience. Uh, now, I will say, there have been some phenomenal people who have loved me well. Some of those have been Christians uh, as well. Uh, but it's just, I'm in a different world. Mm-hmm. And I really still am trying to figure it out and trying to figure out how I fit. And what I've decided is, I can't waste time trying to fit into places where they're just not going to let me. Right. You know, right. I can't waste that time. But if there are places where I can, then okay, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's not not, not enough time in, in life to right. to try to fit in a spot. You're, you're now, a, you know, you're a round peg. Right. <laughs> so Definitely so. Yeah. Yeah, so now, okay, you can avoid the square holes now. You can exactly. <laughs> identify that. Um, so do you think your series that you're doing, the the dandelions, not daffodils, dandelions, how, I mean, this, is it fairly well received? Because just to give some clarification, uh, Steve preached on uh, homosexuality in one of the sermons, talked about it, and then also uh, immigration issues, and there's a whole lot more. Those are the two that I'm familiar with. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you think that's being received? Um, it was received very, very well. I mean, I, I'm, there may have been some people who upset it, but nobody expressed anything to me right. other than that was and a, a very moving and important. Right. Um, I've got a I've got a friend in Pennsylvania who listened to it and was like, okay, I've got to listen to it two or three more times because I got to get I got to get these points. Right. This is the stuff I because I think honestly I think I, I hope. Right. Most Christians know that when they see the people being hateful, that that's not where we're supposed to go. Right. But they're not presented with any other options. Right. On what we do do. Yeah, and so when I come along and say, "Okay, now let's take the principles. Let's not forsake the principles, but let's grab hold of this love thing, and let's bring these two together." And I'm and I'm a, a pretty logical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, logical guy in a way that makes sense. I think there's a lot of Christians that are that are drawn to that. I did a series um, a few months ago called "Me Too," mm-hmm. where we talked uh, yeah. about sexual harassment, and we talked right. we, we we took it head on. And I had a had a, a woman co-teach it with me, so we had the so right. it was a, a good perspective, and and this past Sunday, a woman came up to me and said, "This is my first time here." She goes, "But I've been binge watching the so what the the, the, the Me Too series." Right. She goes, "I've I binge watched that." She goes, "Why are right. why are Christians not talking about these things? Why are we not addressing these right. issues?" Right. And so I think there's a huge group of Christians 
who are hungry for that. Yeah. And, you know, the ones who aren't, they leave our church pretty quickly. I don't have to worry about those. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. I can imagine. I chase them off really fast. Yeah. And, but the ones who are looking for something bigger and better, more loving, more impactful. Right. I, I think there's enough out there that we'll be okay. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it caught my attention. And, and, and of course, you know, Jordan sent me the messages on the text message, the link. And, and you know, my my natural response was, oh, Lord, you know, here we go. You know, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll watch it, you know. Um, and it's not that, you know, like if we sat down and hashed it all out, like we, we're probably not going to agree on every issue. Uh-huh. But but it was a different approach than I have seen. Uh, and And for me, someone who's been in that world, uh, a lot, then it, it, a lot of it made sense to me and connected with me, especially given my experiences in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Well, so, thanks. Yeah, so I, I appreciate it at least. Um, you do talk about some really uh, hot topics, um, and that's not the store where you go buy women's young women's clothing, but uh, <laughs> and I found that to be just intriguing. And I think if more people see that, I think that. I think people in my world and worlds like those subjects you talk about will at least have an open ear. You know, that's my, my opinion. That's my hope. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do you find that like the majority of the people that you have in your church are while it, well, let me say it this way. Let me, let me go back. I think people in churches in the world in general, but in churches in particular, they think that, there needs that peace means the absence of any kind of conflict, the absence of any kind of chaos, whatever. I've always said that churches often managed chaos, you oh, know, yeah. like our household here. Uh, but because you're dealing with your, if you're doing what I would think a church should do, you're going to be on the cusp, which is always grinding away at conflict. So it's managed chaos. Yeah, and that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I've got a the message I'm going to do. Next week, when I'm speaking, is, is about comfort and how, mm-hmm. you know, we're always pursuing comforts. You know, everybody does it, but right. churches churches are looking for that comfortable spot. And I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. that's not God's ideal. It's never His ideal because if you look at the people He works through, right, He always does it by first making them massively uncomfortable. Right. You know, He says to Abraham, "Go that way until I tell you where to stop." Right. <laughs> Le- start walking. Leave, leave yeah. your leave your family, leave your friends, leave everybody, but you know, your 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 wife and maybe your bring, uh, bring a cousin. Right. And, you know, and just go to I tell you to stop. And if you look at the people God uses greatly, there's always incredible discomfort as part of the process. Right. And so when we are moving toward comfort, we're probably moving away from our potential to really have impact. Right. So a fifty million, fifty-four million dollar jet's probably not in the game. No, we're not not looking at that. I think you can get one for twenty-five. That'll work just fine. I know. Uh, I just, I swear, <laughs> these people kill me. Yeah, that's one of the. Oh gosh, yeah, I, I, it's amazing to me, and that's what the evangelical term is becoming. I, yeah, it's 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 the guy buying that jet, and it's like, how many? How you know? And and and, I, and I'll sound like. Uh, the, the, the non kind of group right. you grew up with, how many people can we feed? How many wells no, can right. we drill? How many? Right. And, and I, okay, it mu- multiplies your impact, maybe. Right. Yeah. But not 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 enough. Yeah. It's like pornography. You know, what, right. what's the definition of pornography? Right. I don't know, but I know it when I see it. I think that's what one of the Supreme right. Court justices said. And I don't know what too much is. Right. But that's over the line. Yeah. <laughs> that's way, yeah. way, yeah. way, way over the line. There's a video of J.C. Duplantis and uh, Kenneth Copeland, who are pastors in, in that world of uh, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel type stuff, you know. Yeah. 
And the, that whole video on YouTube is the two of them telling us why uh, God wants them to have these jets and why it's important. And I'm just like, and this is one of the issues that I've always had, especially since I've become countercultural, counter not on purpose, mm-hmm. but by default, countercultural to the church world that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. That started happening for me years ago, even before I came out. But I, what what I started realizing is as I separated myself, which I'm not advising, right. I'm just saying it was just by default, and of course now, not by my decision, but the when I got outside the world of the church, I began, to, I started seeing things more clearly. Mm-hmm. And I all the crap sort of fell away, the things that weren't important, and the things that everybody else talks about that you think are so important in business meetings and all this stuff, none of that was there. And then even things that were big pieces began, began to fall away. And then all of a sudden I began to say, God, that's just bull crap. And that's just not, that doesn't fit, and that doesn't make sense. So it's almost like my perspective was informed from from outside the fold in a way that I was insulated to before. Yeah. I, I know that's kind of crazy. No, because I grew up, you know, like I told you, my, my parents were too conservative to be Southern Baptist. Right. And that's crazy. And... And it was it's just a different way of of the the faith I grew up in is a little different from most everywhere else. West Virginia, there's Central West Virginia has a certain type of Christianity right. that it's its own brand right. that isn't like anybody else's. Right. And not even the, not even counting the snake handlers. I'm just talking right, about yeah. the, the regular people. Yeah. So it was real easy, and I tend to be an observer. So it was, it's been real easy for me to step back. I think I try to right. step back and and look at it like an outsider. Right. And I think that's that's an incredibly helpful thing because. You know, we never see the, the spinach on our own teeth. Right. And stepping back and doing that and asking the questions and yeah. and reading the Bible like I don't know the answers already. Right. <laughs> so that's a... Right. Well, I tell, when I go, well, I don't visit too many churches now, but when I did and when I was not on staff or back years ago when I was not working in that church, I had a much better, just from the parking lot in, the things that people in staff meetings and churches try to do, which is make it easier, you know, just parking and, and greeting people and make sure your your face is good there, you know, all that kind of stuff. And everything all the way through the end of the service. Uh, when I walk into a place, I can see those things that you're missing. And I, I don't right. do it critically. Or just, just, yeah. But because I've done that yeah. for years, it's like, and so if you ask me the question, I'm like, oh, well, you could have done that. That would have been easier. I won't do that. That's not my point. But that's kind of a simple way of putting it. And now that I'm sort of on the outside for sure, uh, I see things from a relational perspective that that I say to myself, yeah, that's not working, and mm-hmm. that's you can't do that. But but you do, you know, and yeah. not you particularly, but but anyway. So um, how would you? And we talked about this a little bit, and we'll kind of wrap up here in a second. But how did you? How do we define evangelical anymore? I don't even know. I, I don't either. I don't. I, I, and I use it in a very derogatory way sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it's. Well, it, I think it's almost like to, to go back and use the, the word gay. Right. I mean, you know, the Flintstones had a gay old time riding in there. Yeah, it's true, yeah. And so the the word the word became associated with something that was not, not really the original right. meaning of the word. And now the word has completely lost the other meaning. Right. The other meaning doesn't exist anymore. And I, that's my question about evangelical. Has right. that word so been... What's the word? Grab taken over right. by a certain group that it's lost the meaning that it had, yeah. which was originally 
okay, we we have the standards, we, we, we hold to our standards, and we think every and we want to love and reach people with the good news of Jesus. Right. That's what we do. That's that's yeah. that's what evangelical is. We reach right. people for Jesus. We are Jesus's ambassadors, and uh, you know, like I, I wonder if the word is as is so different in the the view yeah. of. Of the people who are not Christian, yeah, that it's that it's, that it's a, a negative word now that's that's unhelpful. I, I think it has become is becoming certainly a negative word. Yet we've we've moved from the denotation to the connotation, which is so far removed from that dictionary version. Yeah, and it's almost become a. There's a show on HBO which you probably haven't seen, but it's called My Cartoon President. It's actually funny. Stephen Colbert is one of the writers, okay. and uh, it's 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 pretty funny. It's a little bit crude, of course, but um, but the point is. Um, that's kind of what's happened to the word evangelical. It's become this satirical, uh, sort of the cartoon image of what once was, uh, but now with all this outlandish, it's almost like you never know what evangelicals are going to do these days, uh-huh. and it's it's silly yeah. to that point. Yeah, it's you don't know what's going. I made a joke now that now that uh, Billy Graham's passed, and I really right. respected right he, every, almost everything about that man. Sure. And uh, I joke that he, he and, and Jerry Falwell Sr. Right. And Jerry made some good moves toward the end of his life and whatnot. Right. So I said, he and now that Billy and Jerry Sr. are up there, they're up there getting drunk because of what their kids yeah. are doing down here. Uh, <laughs> the juniors are really <laughs> the juniors not, are man, ruining everything. I'm telling you, I just I just look at things. The, is it Jeffers? Is that the guy out of Texas? That's yeah, Je- all, Jeffers. The one, yeah, like that. yeah, he's one. Yeah, he's one I just those. well, one hearing him, I can't hardly. It's kind of like scraping a chalkboard. But but then the things he says, and, and then it represents the church, because that's what the world looks at. Yeah. They say, that's, that's, that's what that's, you're dealing that's with. That's what you think. And yeah. it's, it's really, it's heartbreaking for it, me. Yeah, it really is. It's been hijacked. I mean, I think the term's been hijacked, and I don't know if it can ever revive it. Yeah. I, I think it's it, it, maybe years and years and years, hundreds down the road. But and then, and then you come up with why the word didn't exist for the first 1700 years of the church. Right. I mean, evangelicals are a very recent word right. in church history. So we, we made it just fine right. without that term. And if we want to define ourselves as the people who believe in the book, love others, we can come up with our own. We, need, we may need to just come up with another word right. that says what that one used to say. Right. Yeah. I, I, just to sort of wrap up a little bit. I think, you know, as a gay man in in the world and one who is a former, uh, I mean, I'm still ordained minister, uh, but that will shock some people, but, uh, but one who worked in churches, one who worked as a chaplain, one who uh, was deeply embedded in that world and one who was fairly well respected, you know, in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, not all, but now it's, it's just a whole world shift for me. It's like the whole paradigm just it didn't shift. It crumbled actually. And, but, but I'm the kind of person who I take what I have, I look at it and I say, it's not what I would have written for me. Mm-hmm. It's not the story that I would, you know, at this point in life, I don't think I would say this is what I would have chosen in the sense of, uh, conflict and, and whatever, but it is where I am. Mm-hmm. And I take that and I say, what do I do? I just, well, then I live. And that's one thing that I am is persistent. One of the things I am is persistent. I'm some bad things too, but I'm persistent, right. you know? And I'm determined. And, and I tell people all the time, because I deal with people 
regularly who are suicidal. In the LGBTQ world, unbelievable the calls I get, the messages I get, the conflict that's going on. And and there are people who are just starving to death to be loved and cared for. And so the thing I would want to communicate to you, your church, to people in general who will listen to this is that there are people who want to be loved in that community, in this community. There are people who want to be cared about. There are people who don't want to have to show up and argue and debate. They don't, maybe down the road, that's okay. Right. But, but today they just want to know that the things that we've taught, I taught, that you've taught, that that's true, that it's for other people. It's for everybody, right. not just a select group of people who think alike. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I see some of that in what I see in your messages. Yeah. And I guess if we're getting close to wrapping up, I guess one thing I would want to stress is that. I'm, I, I admit to being odd and weird and different than most. Right. But I'm not as uncommon as people think. Right. There are the, the people, obviously, if you, if you just think about it, the people who are doing the thinking about this stuff and are processing it and thinking it are not the ones that are yelling. Right. So we don't get much attention. Right. Because we don't yell. Right. And so, but there's a lot of, there are lots of pastors who are much closer to me than what you would think. Right. It's just because we're not we're kind of quiet and we're figuring it out, right. we're not as loud. So I, I, that's encur- I, I would be encouraging that way is that right. know, don't judge all of us by the yellers. There's a yeah. lot of us out here who have a tr- have problems with the yellers. Yeah, and, and I think not just in, in issues of gay world or LGBTQ stuff, but just in issues in general, uh, the whole thing we talked about earlier, just getting – it takes a little work, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not convenient and it's uncomfortable, but getting to know people and right. caring about people – in very personal ways. I mean, this superficial social media personas, the, the things that we build about ourselves, those are not the real us. Right. And, and that's how other people are too. The, getting to know people right where they are and loving them uh, effectively uh, and listening and caring is, is important, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit down with me and right. hope we hope none of your fears were uh no i, I wasn't capitalized. That i wasn't too scared <laughs> i think you took a bigger risk than i did i don't know well <laughs> i've been taking a lot i've been rolling the dice lately so you know why not yeah. keep going uh i you know i know my parents uh, my mother when i was doing all these news press conferences and stuff recently she's like tim just remember you, you know you gotta you gotta you got to show people that you're not angry, that you're not this, you're not that. And she's wise in that. And, and I said, I know, I got it, I got it. Sometimes I probably get a little pissed on my Facebook stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's unfortunately, I am, I'm not a quiet person. Mm-hmm. That is not my personality. But I'm trying to always not be abrasive, too. And, you know, it's one thing to be loud and then to be loud and abrasive. Yeah. And I don't want to be the other. I want to be right. the quiet. Or the, I want to be the loud person who gets a point across. Right, right. Not be an activist, but be an advocate. So. Yeah. But I do. I really do appreciate you taking the time and uh, sitting down and, and talking about this. And who knows, maybe in the future we can do another one and okay. talk about other subjects. But okay. Thanks for Enjoyed being here, it. Steve. Well, thank you. So, Steve, what is a way that people can watch some of your messages or, you know, connect with you? Yeah, if they if they wanted to see the actual message you're talking about is in a, it's, you can just go to YouTube and do Spout Springs Church. We have the the least cool name of any church <laughs> in America, and so it's easy to find. And it's Spout Springs Church. And if you go to the channel, it was the Dandelion series, like you said, and I, it was message three, I believe, in okay. this, in that. And um, you can just if you want to email me, it's Steve at SpoutSprings.org. Uh, okay. Um, 
cool. easy to reach. All right. Well, I appreciate it again. Thanks for being here. Just and don't uh, use all caps the whole time. Okay. That's <laughs> Shouting at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Wow. <laughs>